Welcome to the 4 Life Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is PJB along with Josh King. And today we're going to do something slightly different than the other episodes. We are going to go over gimmicks, as in gimmick matches, different stipulations, and the character direction of the current roster and kind of compare them to some older gimmicks that happened in the past. Uh, normally we go over what's currently happening, but we'll we'll touch base on some of it, but we're going to get right into the gimmicks for today. All right, so Josh, what are some of the gimmicks that you think back on and either, you know, makes you almost embarrassed to be a pro wrestling fan or that you absolutely knew did not work and you couldn't believe that a multi multi million dollar company would run these matches. Like what are some of the matches? An eye for an eye match. That was lately. Um, that's actually what inspired this episode. I'm, I'm watching this and I'm thinking beforehand, how can they actually make this work or even think it would work? And I'm like, I want to look up some gimmicks, some matches that are completely weird, bizarre, uh, hog pin match, for example, is one. Uh, blindfold matches, which maybe they could have just done a blindfold match, you know, in this latest uh, feud. Uh, recently researched a crybaby match with Razor Ramon and 123 Kid, and the loser had to dress in a diaper and have like baby powder thrown on them, and they had like a baby bottle and stuff. Both of them are. Hall of Famers, too. Both of them are Hall of Famers. Uh, but matches like Viagra on a pole. WCW uh, in the early 2000s when they were going downhill had a lot of weird gimmick matches. Viagra on a pole. They had one where they put treasure chests around the ring like on poles. And they had either the world championship, not not TV, not US, the actual world championship or a glove, or a blow-up doll, or a picture framed of Scott Hall, who we just mentioned was in the Crybaby match, which is kind of funny. I would have probably took the photo, but it went well in my collection room of Razor. Yeah, but it's just funny that you're going to put the the thing that everybody's supposed to be working for in just a box on a pole. What's with the whole pole thing? They had a... Buff Bagwell's mom on a pole match, but she couldn't actually be on a pole, so they just had her on a forklift. I, I remember that. <clears throat> I, I think that's how it happened. No, yeah, it was something like that. She was a little bigger. Yeah, I try to forget about that time period, so I don't really go in depth with remembering it. Some of the matches, though, they do make or create a good match that we always want to see. There's been Money in the Bank ladder matches. Um Ultimate X and TNA, those are great. You know, like what they should do is I'm surprised that they only brought or only had once Armageddon Hell in a Cell with the six people like Rikishi, Kurt, Undertaker, a couple others. I was shocked that only happened once because, you know, being an old gamer with wrestling games, I was like, it was always Armageddon Hell in a Cell, Armageddon Hell in a Cell every year. The old SmackDown games. So. Yes. And I thought it would be pretty cool since they like doing these uh, 
pay-per-views with gimmicks, just bring back some like Armageddon and base your main event around Armageddon Hell in a Cell. Like Well, they made like the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. And they they kind of watered down Hell in the Cell, in my opinion, because now there's too many. It's like a feud could be kind of bad, and they're like, we're going to settle this in Hell in a Cell. And I, I feel like in the olden days, wow, I don't even mean to say The olden, olden days. days of- but you know what I mean? Back in the early years of the Hell in the Cell, it was more like organic. Like it just led to that. And you were like, oh my God, it's going to be a Hell in the Cell. Now it's like, we have a Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. We can't just have a regular cage match, you know? So it's like once they made all these pay-per-views, then they're like, we have a TLC pay-per-view. I wonder what the what match there's going to be. Wasn't it wasn't there a kennel from hell match and I am so sorry if I am wrong where they had a steel cage and then outside of that was a hell in a cell. They were toying with these matches. And, and there was a dog that was actually out there that didn't care at all about what was going on. That was Al Snow and Big Boss Man's feed, right? I think so. And they Where were Big tri- Boss Man cooked his dog, well, Al Snow's dog, and made him eat it? The dog was supposed to be... Well, the dog in that kennel match was supposed to be, like, aggressive and, like, slept. So I don't know if, like, the owner... Not slept, but it just was not <laughs> what they were looking for. You know, they were looking for it to be barking the whole time and stuff. I think they might have gave it, like, some Benadryl or something, and it was just kind of mopey. Maybe they, he looked into the future of the 2020 Raw and SmackDowns. Yeah, there, there's a lot of matches that you can go through. I think if you do like a simple Google search even, that you'll find a bunch that you could look at on the network. It's harder to find the TNA ones. Like there's that Elevation X match. Oh, it's- I remember the TNA ones very vividly. Uh, Elevation X, exclusive to Destination X, and Rhino's specialty. He wrestled AJ Styles and James Storm back-to-back years. Won both of them, of course. Uh, That was a fun one. Basically, their version of a scaffold match. And then they had some weird ones, and I'm very... Well, the scaffold matches in general, even back in the ECW days, were borderline go to prison i think it was i watched something about new jack and i forget who 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 he threw off of the top but he literally tased the guy to make it so that the guy would go off the top and threw him you know this reminds me i watched a uh victory road uh highlight video and there was this was 2009 and it was abyss versus dr stevie and there was a part where Abyss beat the ever-living crap out of him. That was the whole match. That whole pay-per-view was god-awful. I, I challenge anybody to watch it fully. Taboo um, Tuesday. Mm, Keep going. I would rather watch a Taboo Tuesday. <laughs> um, so Abyss uses a taser on Dr. Stevie, and within seconds, it smokes. What taser smokes? Do they know what a, a taser? malfunctioning one? Do, do, have they seen anyone get tased? <laughs> the before? lawyers were probably like, "This is it, man. <laughs> this but, is done." But yeah, they started like looking at their bank accounts because we got to pack up and go. And then they had a last rights match. I think they did this like twice. I think um, that's something like it's basically Alistair Black's entrance. 
and you get set into it. It's like it's like candles and stuff. Yeah, it's it's like a casket match. Um, and I know you can't see it, but much that people can't see us listening. But this is it. The uh, casket. Put them in the like ring. a casket. Bed. Well, no, you're supposed to actually go in it. Uh, oh, this he is, just got slammed. The photo I'm showing him is Sting uh, laying on that, a broken casket. That right there is what led to the buckle bomb death. His back looks messed up right there. <laughs> and here. It comes down to the last rights match he should have never had. They had tombstones in that. That's awesome, though. Um, you know, just... The match looks like the pictures you're showing me are making me want to see it. I I can't remember when they had the one match. Because I know this uh, Sting versus Abyss um there was a was for there, sure there was a time when sting was in tna and i was so irritated about it is that six-sided ring right there it is six-sided ring didn't watch it that's gonna be a no from me try to go back nah. you on it I, the only ones i can watch are like aj styles and samoa joe or kurt angle and samoa joe sting actually had a pretty decent run he, he gained some longevity i don't like the six-sided ring man just try to cancel out of your mind and just enjoy. Because they did some things where it's like when you think about nowadays and you're like, man, we actually got Kurt Angle versus AJ Styles a lot. We actually got decent which, matches with Sting wrestling. Which WWE should have gave us Kurt Angle versus AJ Styles again for his retirement match, but that's neither here nor there. What was AJ doing instead? What was AJ doing in that match or that, that year? WrestleMania? Oh, didn't he? No, that was before. I was going to say Russell Shinsuke, but that wasn't it. No, that, that was, was the one before. That was before. Um, AJ was on the card, right? He yeah. wrestled Orton. Was it Orton? Oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody wanted to see that, too, though. That was a good one. That was like a dream match. Like, I've always wanted to see. I think Orton should have played the TNA part up a lot on him, though. It would have led a lot to that. You know, he's like... <laughs> He mentioned You're, Dixie Carter in a promo. Yeah, but if he was just over and over. Like, you don't really know what you're stepping in here with. Third generation, you're just a little TNA guy, like, and just built it. You don't it. belong here. Yeah, like, just built it. Kind of like kind of like the Cena versus AJ, but AJ was doing it more to Cena, saying that he was going to take over SmackDown and stuff. But that gave it a build. I love when, like, the main eventers are just going, like, in on the person. Like, So in your head, is AJ Styles – established as a wwe guy to you or is he like he's a tna guy to me in my head like uh for example goldberg you know he had you know a couple runs in wwe oh he's, he's a wcw guy to me not anymore really i goldberg has come back and forth a hundred times he dropped undertaker on his head and didn't get fired because i was reading this article it was on facebook or not article but like a post and Everyone going on AEW, and I know this is off subject, but I just felt like I had to say this. And they they're naming off all these guys, like even names like Jerry Wynn, who's in the back, who maybe had ECW like guy. a month mm-hmm. in WWE, and they're like, "Oh, this is AEWWE." And then somebody posted <clears throat> um, Rollins, Shinsuke, AJ, Joe, Eric Young at the time, whatever. Uh, all these people, and they're like. So in the last five to ten years, WWE has basically ROed up HTNA. Uh, oh, yeah, hundred percent. I I hate how when somebody established signs to another promotion that it's 
all of a sudden now they're not making homegrown talent. But you, you can't win for losing because you either take the best that's actually the best or you're going to grow this little gremlin up so to be something. So Zack Ryder gets released. Yeah. Is he supposed to just be unemployed and wrestle a local Florida show because we think him going to AEW is making them look like WWE? See, I think it adds to AEW. Yeah. It shows that somebody will work for the biggest company in the world and then jump to your brand, which shows that your brand is good enough to compete. Yeah. It's when they don't start going. So, Like when TNA was on the downfall and everybody was like, nah, I'm good. I'd rather take a pay cut from WWE and sit than go wrestle there. That was bad. You know, so like back in 2000 when WWE took the Radicals, they took WCW guys. I I just hate the old trope of they signed somebody that people know. Everybody's wrestled WWE at one point or another. Everybody. Yeah. And then, I mean, even if it was just a tryout match. And this is a uh, off topic as well. But you were listing all these guys, and you know, there's been a lot of people. Now we're kind of back into what's going on. Well, we'll go back. There, there's been a lot of guys getting picked up by AW, even some girls that we thought we'd never see, Cameron, whatever. But oh, Ariana, did you see that meme saying AW doesn't hire just anybody? Also AW, and they showed a picture of Cameron. I I don't know how it happened. (laughs) I don't either. It's probably Vicky. She's probably friends with her. So. Where is Mike Bennett? Mike Canellis, because he he's gonna go to TNA. Is good. He's a good TNA. Good. Him and Maria should be in TNA and just run through everybody. Yeah. Because he was up there. I remember we were at a show. Matt Hardy was doing his broken gimmick. Jeff Hardy was still there. Bennett was there. Uh. Lashley and uh, Drew Galloway, which is, you know, the current champ in WWE right now, Drew McIntyre, but they called him Drew Galloway. WWE and, taking so we all lo- these TNA guys, and then you the you had you know you had the Inner Circles team, um, the LAX, a uh, couple of them, not the new, the newer ones. Yeah, Santana and Ortiz. Yeah, Santana and Ortiz. Santana. You had all these guys. That went on to do, you know, Pentagon was there shortly after. He wasn't there at that time. But it's like everyone just got split. And then stuff will happen like what you're saying, Zach Ryder. It's like, oh, I wonder what made him pick AEW and not Impact. Because for Ryder's character and him being so over and in shape, I would have went Impact. Just me personally. I would have won impact if I was him. But I'll tell you, that, well, maybe he offered more money. True. I mean, that always plays a factor. We action know. figures. He loves action figures. Yeah. yeah. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Impact Wrestling, how do they go from obscurity to the point of they have no television deal, nothing. And all of a sudden, they just keep, they, they come back. And I watched an interview with Eric Young. Uh, Chris Van Leet did, uh, which was really good. I recommend you checking that out. And Eric Young was just saying how he left TNA because he knew it would go down a certain path. Mm-hmm. And that it did, and he was smart. And he bet on himself, and he left hoping NXT would, or WWE would look at him. Wait, again, money, though. 
WWE is offering even minimum. You're well, getting like triple the amount. What Eric Young also said is when he left because he didn't want to be a part of the downfall, he didn't have a deal when he left. Mm-hmm. So he was hoping they would reach out to him, which they did. Because he took advantage of a time where they were grabbing everybody. And But why wouldn't you take Eric Young? You know? I just Especially was, at that time. He was in great shape. He had the beard. Just listening to him. Yeah. He shaved the beard because he said everyone grew a beard now. Doesn't matter. And he just wanted to be different, stand out. Speaking of that, there was a time, 2010-ish, yeah. 11-ish, all the long hairs disappeared. Yes. He looked around. Robert Root cut his hair. Everybody. Trips was gone. You know, uh, everyone had short. If they had long hair, it was like ear length. Yeah. Now we're back. Everybody's long hair again, even Taker's long hair. Remember, Taker had the mohawk during oh, that time. Horrible. HBK, though, he went the other way. Well, he felt like he had no choice. Yeah, it was falling. Yeah. But, but Eric Young was um, another one. And this is in the gimmick thing. Like, he could have been world-class maniac. He could have been singles with Sanity, you know, once they split. Because they moved into Raw because he was supposed to get a push. And apparently he fell out of favor. And he was actually supposed to go to NXT. Triple H was told him to go to NXT, and he was unaware Eric Young got released. Mm. So he was he would be in NXT right now, uh, apparently. Heyman probably released him without anybody's knowledge. I guess he likes to do that. What's what's funny is he had a dark match and back in like two thousand two, three, four maybe. And he told this story on the show. I'm not trying to reveal too much of the interview, but I feel like I have to say because it it's hilarious. Um, they were going to give him apparently a surfer gimmick and hire him. And Eric Young I could said, never imagine him as a surfer. Eric Young said this, and I quote, uh, you may bleep this out if you want. He said to Stephanie, he's like, that, that's fine. I'll be a child molester if you want me to be. And he said he beat himself up over that thinking he may have not gotten the deal. He said that to Stephanie. Yeah, you probably didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though, that you know there's been so much talent that has gone through WWE, and some of it will just sift through. It's it's hard to imagine. On paper, you'll look at it, and you're like, there's no way that they can screw this up. Nobody could screw this up. But then you forget, they didn't screw it up. What they did was they elevated this other person at the time, and there really wasn't a spot. Either you, you get TV time and you either get squashed, you're in a feud that nobody cares about, or you're the champ. Those are pretty much it. Every now and then they strike gold, when they get a rivalry, I think right now, personally, Alistair and Seth Rollins is what I want to see. They built it somehow in my head where that's all I want to see. When I see Seth Rollins, I think about Alistair. When I see – I also like the whole Buddy Murphy uh, like gimmick of maybe like turning on him. I don't know. I think he's now in a spot where he ended up uh, – doing to Alistair what Rollins did to Ray. Right. It's like this basically see, symbolizes. Even that feud is awesome. Well. As long as it's not Ray Mysterio's son. Well, it probably will be. But see, that's. It's going to be probably a tag me. match with Alistair and Dominic. So you have all this talent, like we're saying, sitting there. So you could bring in, you know, 
Tommaso, you could bring in Gargano, any of these people to have a small feud with Seth Rollins, and you're going to have Dominic. So, Alistair's eye, you know, basically got smashed in, apparently. Yeah. And there have been reports that while Vince likes Alistair, he feels like the gimmick limits him. Um, I mean, they put him behind a, a door for six months. Yeah. Is it the gimmick? I don't know. Or is it the writers? Oh, it's a mixture of both, possibly. I mean, there's I can think of 20 things off the top of my head. I can spew some out right now. Like, people are looking backstage for stuff. And they go outside. It's all creepy, and he appears. That's all he has to do. Just appear randomly. Well, they should take the creak out of his entrance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vince McMahon hates the creek, guys. Yeah, according to some reports, Vince McMahon is mad that there's a creek in his entrance, and he doesn't like the entrance. And that's like what most people like about Alistair. Just the creek? No, like oh, how he like sits up on the the casket like thing. But I think that this is good because sometimes the controversy of it spreads to the internet and they're not stupid. WWE reads the internet. They say they don't. All of them do. Especially with all these superstars now with a Twitter, with an Instagram, with a, uh, what's that thing? TikTok. So they're all, you know, Lana's making TikToks left and right. She reads the comments. She banned Rusev from Twitch. She did. Yeah. I don't know what she did, but Rusev's trying to become a professional Twitch guy. and All these WWE pages in bikinis doing Twitch. Yeah, it's, it's going to ruin my uh, old wrestling gaming Twitch because all these others are doing it. Yeah, you have no chance now. <laughs> but, what should I watch? Josh play some old wrestling games or Paige in a bikini playing a race car game? Probably tough. that. Yeah. Um, but so going back to our gimmick thing. But – before what? that, I brought up Alistair for a reason. Oh, wow. Did you see his Instagram post? So he wrote, he's been in WWE for four years now, right? It was Orlando. NXT was his, his opening match. Maybe he got signed four years ago. Yeah, he used to be Tommy End. Well, I'm going off of that based off of this post. He wrote, and now I must rewrite four years of my own history by getting rid of that weakness. The same weakness that caused this betrayal. This is where my accountability ends and yours starts. So they're definitely trying to change him up. And it sounds like it's going to be for the better instead of for the worse. Possibly. Now, something we haven't ever discussed with him is what if he joined those two? I thought about it, especially with Austin Theory not being around right now. Yeah, I wish Theory was there. He's my, like one of my favorites. So going back to the gimmicks, though. There were some gimmicks growing up of characters that actually scared me. I was five years old when I first saw The Undertaker in person, and I hid underneath the chair and wouldn't come out. He was fighting Ultimate Warrior. I didn't even see Warrior's entrance because I stayed underneath the chair. And I'll admit it, I was scared. Another one I was scared when I saw in person when I was young was Papa Shango. Now, these are good gimmicks. If they're, if they're scaring... I know I was like five, six, seven, whatever. Papa Shango, probably a little older. If they're scaring kids at that point to the point where they're trying to like hide behind their parents, they're doing something right. Now, less scary gimmicks work as well because people can identify with them. At one point, there was 
a hunter gimmick, like a like Skinner, I think he was. He was like a hunter. There was uh, Duke the Dumpster Drossy. There was the hog people, which are like the farmers. There's Big Boss Man. Something that I, I loved and what got me mainly into wrestling was seeing these characters. And then, you know, as a young child, you get a computer and you research back to what you didn't get to watch. And I was always obsessed. And you said Skinner. I was obsessed with the vignettes. Like seeing Skinner out in the Florida Everglades, whatever, just coming out of the water with an alligator. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed seeing Waylon Mercy at a picnic. I enjoyed seeing Tatanka just doing his little native stuff. And these just the settings and the vignettes. And you can keep going. There was Mr. Perfect. He so was on. never bad at anything. There's Ultimate Warrior. He's a warrior but, of all warriors. But one thing yeah. I mean is... I'm naming these lower card talents like Skinner and stuff that would the be genius. the superstar, the genius, because they gave everybody, not that I could relate to them because you can't relate to it, but it gave you something, you know, to, you were intrigued by it. like Skinner coming out in the, you know, messy shirt, button up, button down. And even in the later years, especially, I, was always fond of seeing Viscera because he just looked creepy with the black lipstick and stuff and the blonde mohawk and he didn't the talk. He was mysterious. Yeah. Gangrel. I loved it. It just gave me because that was around the time I started watching. So you had Gold Dust, who Gold, was like obsessed with Hollywood, wanted to be a celebrity, dressed all crazy, kind of like a stalker. And now, and we talked about this, we can mistake gimmicks for personalities. Which we would rather you have a personality. Let's not get it wrong. Right. And um, then then not have a gimmick or a personality, which we were just talking about. Thatcher does a great job because he doesn't have a gimmick or a personality, but that's his gimmick. Yeah, exactly. He, he he's old school. Catch wrestling. You're gonna get you're gonna get stretched. And it's ironic that an old school wrestler type like Thatcher. That's basically his gimmick because of how much wrestling has changed, which makes him unique in a world where this was 20 or 30 years ago, he wouldn't fit in if, if, or, or be stand out. I the say. other thing is if they didn't put him over the, the king of the bros, Matt Riddle, if they would have let him lose that match, if he didn't beat him in that cage or whatever, the lines, what was it? Lines then? I forgot what it was called. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. That little that it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. Um, I actually enjoyed that match too. And in that setting, that tells the story that if you are going one on one in like a wrestling type setting, there's no chairs, there's no rope break, none of that. Thatcher's gonna pull your car. Yep. Now you got a triple threat, he could lose. You have a ladder, he could lose. You have a tag team, obviously he could lose. They lost the belt. Well, he ended up passing out to Dexter Loomis's. Yeah. Game, which my God, I we talked about him before. I love it. I it's love a gimmick. the exposure. It's a gimmick and a personality. It's the artist. So mysterious that you want more. Yeah. You and Velveteen, gimmick. Over. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era, they all just go by their names. But together they're a gimmick because they're a stable. Yeah. When they're apart. What would you consider their gimmick? I would consider their gimmick as the kind of like going 
it's nostalgia through people for like the NWO DX yeah. kind of do whatever they want. They win the belts. He's playing yeah. the air guitar. Adam Cole's like the best, like back when Shawn Michaels was in DX. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's one of those, it's not really a gimmick per se. It's just like, we're the best. So we should have the belts. Yeah. But that's kind of a gimmick. It's, a, it's, like, a, it's definitely a personality. I feel like they're about to fall apart in the next few months, but see if they do it right, it'll be awesome. Well, it's my thing they're doing. They showed a lot of solidarity. Well, they need to have Adam Cole and um, Roderick feud, and they need to have Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish feud. Then they need to have them tag team against each other and, like, keep it going Here's what I think is going to happen, and once again, I may be wrong, so my predictions aren't the highest, which is great. I like to be proved wrong. I think Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish are going to remain as a tag team. Bobby Fish is up there in age. Uh, They'll be good, you know, if they get – picked up on Raw or SmackDown. I think Roddy and Adam Cole are going to split. Maybe, maybe just a split and not feud or and do their own thing. Or maybe they will feud, depending on the scenario. But I think Fish and Riley, O'Reilly are standing together. I'm just praying that WWE doesn't do the they all split silently and we just don't talk about it. It's the worst thing that happens. It's like they're a team forever, like two guys or whatever, three guys. They're a team. They're a team. They're a team. And then all of a sudden, you turn it on, and he's at like different color tights on. He's just wrestling. Nobody's mentioning like the other people. It needs to be a split, like the Shield. Yeah, it's like you're. It's like you're out of the gossip crew. It's like this person has no idea what's going on. He's not even part of that anymore. Mm-hmm. You turn it on, you're like, am I watching the same thing I watched last week? So. When we're going back into the gimmicks, though, um, personality and gimmicks, we were talking about that. We've brought up Bray Wyatt multiple times. Obviously, he has many gimmicks. And if you're really good at your gimmick, you can shine your real, true personality through the gimmick. I think Bray does that. He does flawlessly. There's other people, too. Like, when we brought up Alistair, I think the reason his gimmick works so well for us, we like it. We're not Vince McMahon. The creek doesn't bother us. No. The is because that's what he likes. He likes darker stuff. He has a tattoo of a woman devil on his back. Let him be him. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like, you know, and you've seen it the opposite way too. Luke Harper was playing like a hillbilly. He's not, obviously. He got to decide what he wants to do in AEW and the way he wants his character. He could have been the leader, the exalted one, and kept the hillbilly gimmick. Guess what? Put in weird. He does. That's why there's certain things like the personalities and the gimmicks that you have to let the personality shine through the gimmicks. And we were talking, you know, like about the Bray Wyatt and how it, it works for him. But uh, sometimes you see it's like too forced. You'll see the personality of somebody and he tries to make it his gimmick. Like, I don't know if he has complete creative control or what, but Baron Corbin, a lot of times, I feel like he's his own biggest fan. And this is no disrespect to him, even though it sounds disrespectful. Um, I think he's solid worker, big, should be in the WWE or AEW, somewhere big, you know, but he, um, it's like, he's like, I watched documentaries about him before. And I think that's what really turned me off about him is, on the documentaries, he was acting like he should get this and I should be doing this. I should be main eventing. And then he's gotten some of that stuff, but it's like, you're not top dog. Has right? he ever held a mid-card title? I don't I don't think so. He, US, chat, US title. Yeah. When he was the one wolf in his hair. 
But the whole lone wolf thing, it's like, so you have the spotlight, you have oh, the lone wolf, blah, 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 blah. It reminds me of like, I'm 12 years old. I create my own character. I want him to look epic. It's basically Baron Corbin's entrance. Well, something that he... Didn't he come out on a motorcycle at one point? No. I know. That was that documentary. He was riding the motorcycle all the time. But, like, if they could do something, like, I know he's a big fan of Slipknot. Maybe that's why I just favor him so much, I guess. He he could do something like find, like, a Slipknot-type mask and just... Do you know that he collects actual human skulls? Yeah, like tiny ones, shrunken heads, right? Actual, yes. Actual human skulls. He has eight. Some are not shrunken. Oh, really? Yeah, he has eight human skulls, which is weird. Um, I think it's pretty cool. But I mean, like, so he would have been perfect for, like, a Papa Shango-type gimmick or, like, a Alistair-type gimmick, you know? Oh, absolutely. And it's like, maybe they're just not letting him loose on what he really likes, and so it's not shining through. Well, the King gimmick is too flashy for someone like him. The King gimmick is so dumb. It works for Macho Man, who wore stars and yeah like what you're saying it's they're trying to make them like a cool king and they don't realize like game of thrones ended and everyone hated it so they they could have really i still feel like they could save save him not that you know he's in a good spot every week but i mean like to not get as stale as he's getting well like one thing that kind of is missing is kind of like that character development for a lot of people he's the same character every week he's consistent but there's no development there's you know you'll watch a show and someone's kind of a jerk someone's kind of a jerk someone's kind of a jerk and then something happens and he's like let me help you with that he helps somebody oh well they must be friends maybe he's not as big of a jerk oh something happens oh he betrays oh he is a jerk you know what i'm saying but it's like consistently every week, it's like, I'm the king. What are you doing? I'm the king. Like there's no evolution to it to make a payoff. Like I'm always talking about the payoff. Why are we sitting through 10 minutes of this guy every week? What's the payoff? Is he going to get the crown slammed on his head and then be out for a well, week? Is payoff, he going to get his eye taken the out? The payoff already happened. But then it, it was the then dog it's over. food. But then it's over. But then we went in a loop again. Yeah. And we're stuck. And then it doesn't help not having fans because if you ever do a big face turn with somebody like that, you need the fans. Well, that's probably why it's going to be a while. I mean, you're only assuming it could happen, but. No, it'll happen. He's going to face turn. He's going to have to. Yeah. Yeah, He's just going to have to. There's no, there's no, what can you do? Face turn for a while and then be a sleaze bag and then everybody hates you again. But if he, if he stays with the king, how do you get out of this circle? Just go away and then come back without the king. You're just a bad guy again. Now you just have less to say. Uh, it's got to have a payoff, you know? It's got to make sense. Like maybe if it's Roman's back and he comes back at, after Roman Reigns, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things, but. Speaking of that, you brought up a good point. Mm-hmm. The gimmick match of the dog food match. Oh, Jesus. On a chain, or what was it? They no, wore they, a dog there was, collar. There was, like, dog food outside. It was just a normal match. It was just the loser just had to have dog food for I just them. can't, dude. Just can't. Why? It, it makes, like, normal wrestling fans just feel like I'm watching something I should not watch. But, I mean, with a match like that, you're supposed to see one person do that. Uh, Dolph. Uh, Baron Corbin, well, Dolph and Rude, had Roman tied up and they put the dog food on him. And then they had a stip match where 
that would happen to the loser. And then it was Corbin. So we saw both of them take it. So it was nothing new. I guess it was comeuppance for Roman. Yeah, great. But eh, whatever. The fans really wanted to know what your thoughts were on the two new title belts, the TNT title, which isn't finished, and the U.S. championship design. We talked about it briefly in the past. We got some questions about how you felt because in one of the episodes, you said you were very partial to the old belt because that's when you really were, not that you weren't into wrestling before, but big like memories, all that. And so you didn't want that belt to go away. How do you feel about the new U.S. title and the TNT title not being finished, but they still brought it out anyway? Um, the U.S. title, I quickly, quickly grew on me. Like the night of, I'm like, all right, this is vintage. I was worried it was going to be very modern and very, well, it is. It does have a modern feel to it. I was just worried it was going to look the same. As, yeah, or look like the WWE like main titles and just say with like, a United different color States or something. Yeah. But oh, I love it! It gives me that WCW feel. And for me, I, I'm not saying anyone else feels that way. I just I see like oh, this was this looks like it was a title in WCW. I, oh, I love the belt too. I thought it was awesome. Uh, the TNT title. I mean, it's been around for oh, a couple months now. The one they have right now. It is what it is. It doesn't bother me that much. I was going to say, it's grown on me. And I mean, it's kind of like that pop song that nobody likes. And then it, you hear it everywhere, and somehow you know the words. That's the TNT title. Yeah, I mean, I don't really notice it that much. I know it's like, I know what the purpose of the title is. So they said August 12th it'll be done. So it's going to be interesting if after that, if we both think even bigger about the TNT title. Like, even if it's, like, a color change or, or whatnot, we have a general idea of the concept. Yeah. So I'm not sure my mind will completely change by, oh, my God. Part of me loves that they were just, like, just because the Corona's here, like, we have to run these storylines and we need this challenge to be going, so just take the title the way it is. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Instead of just nixing it and trying to do something else. Yeah. Um, and the, the edginess of AEW right now. Like, the whole... Sammy Guevara promo and stuff. Speaking of gimmicks, I love the Butcher and the Blade. Oh, yeah. I loved the start of that Falls Count Angler match last week where the Butcher was cutting up meat and he had that that apron on. Oh, yeah. And he just doesn't apron. talk. Mm -hmm. And it's just like things like that. He's I, a freaky looking old I, man. And I love it. <laughs> I don't – I just – You heard it here. I'm fascinated. It tickles my fancy when the Butcher and the Blade are on there. And then they have their clockwork orange gear on when they're not wrestling the white. I think they had it on here. And it's just – I don't know. Just something about it. Yeah. I think it's great. So uh, – but we've talked about gimmicks. Let's talk about – What's not a gimmick? Johnny Gargano is one of the best wrestlers in the world. What's his gimmick? I guess he's mad now. Mad because no one thinks he's the greatest wrestler in the world? Daniel Bryan, what's his gimmick right now? Great wrestler. Guess he's mad now. Well, he's not mad. <laughs> I don't know. Drew Gulak, great wrestler. Um, it's just a tired old 
trope of these mm, smaller guys being the best or wanting to be the best. Some CM Punk kind of paved the way for, and now it's like all we get. Like that, I'm, I only named three, but I feel like that covers up the majority of what wrestling is. Well, I mean, there's a lot like that. I mean, Becky Lynch's gimmick was that she called herself the man, but she mm. really didn't have a gimmick once she won the belts. Yeah. Oh, I got two belts. Her gimmick was the chase. Then you lose the belts. Yeah. Now you got nothing. You're just Becky Lynch. Like, we're back to, are you going to come out with steam glasses or, you know what I mean? Like, you get to a point where that's the, that's the, what we've been trying to say is the benefit of having the gimmick over the personality but you definitely need your personality to shine through, which it did with Becky when it was organic with the, I'm the man. Like she's basically saying to Vince McMahon, I am the man. Like the belt should be on me. The money should be on me. But and she was saying it to everybody and it worked. But I'll tell you this, the women's division, they have their aces in places like Charlotte's the queen, uh, Ruby riots, like the rebel, you know, loner, Bianca Belair, the powerhouse, uh, you know, Shotzi Blackheart, the punk girl, Naomi the dancer. Yep, all of everyone I feel like has a not gimmick, a personality. Yeah, Lana's like stuck up and like yeah. always needs to look pretty. Like, yeah, I feel like everyone is unique in their own way in that division, and I just wish that would translate over to the men for the majority of it. And some of them are getting there. Yeah, I like the uh, MVP crew. I love that. Yeah, he said recently he doesn't want to do Nation of Domination 2.0. I did see that. Dumb. That's pure money. <laughs> they could do some. People don't like money, man. They could do something similar. People don't like money. Yeah. It's so easy to see. There's so many things in the world where it's just pure money, and we can see it from miles away. We already talked about it 800 times on this podcast. We've only had five shows, Sting and Taker, pure money. Even if they tag teamed once, even if they, you know, ran into each other at the Royal Rumble. Money, money, money. But anyways, for gimmicks, that's about all we have for today. Right. So we're going to go into the last segment. All right. So our last segment of the day, one wrestler, one match. And I'm giving the floor to PJ here. The wrestler is Brian Kendrick, and the match is the four-way ladder match from Armageddon 2006. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.